SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll head to the West Indies where we'll catch up uh, with the Proteas following their victory over Australia last night. We'll also touch base with uh, Andre Nell, tell a little bit about uh, that win last night, but also about the future of day-night test cricket and his thoughts on uh, pink ball cricket under light over five days. That's coming up. We'll also pay tribute to Nigerian coach and former player and captain Stephen Keshi with Neil Gregg from AfricanFootball.com. And we'll hear from the junior spring box following their victory in their opening clash against Japan last night. But we start with news making headlines and news just in. Tennis. Maria Sharapova has been banned for two years by the International Tennis Federation. That after she failed a drugs test. The Russian was provisionally banned in March after testing positive for Maldonium in January's Australian Open. The heart disease drug, which the 29-year-old Sharapova says she's been taking since 2006 for health issues, was added to the banned substance list on the 1st of January 2016. The five-time Grand Slam winner says she will appeal against the ban, which is backdated to the 26th of January 2016. In other news that broke this afternoon, Riley Rousseau has been ruled out of the rest of the Tri-Nation one day into National Series. Then after he injured his right shoulder in that victory against Australia last night, he left the field after an awkward dive on the boundary, ended up dislocating his AC joint in his right shoulder. Dean Elger is being flown in as a replacement. Cricket South Africa also announced today that the third test series, uh, third of the uh, third test in the series uh, against Australia later on this year, will be played under lights in Adelaide. Uh, it starts on the 24th of November. In football news, Kaiser Chiefs target Mandlan Sikazi has given strong indication that he'll stay with his current team, Lamontville Golden Arrows, and continue as an assistant to head coach Clinton Larson. Sikazi has worked with Chiefs coach uh, Steve Compella at Free State Stars and Maritzburg United and has been earmarked to replace Dr. Kamala on the Chiefs bench, who's reported to be promoted to technical director position. And Sikazi says it's a difficult decision to make. Kaiser Chiefs is a big club, and, and, and for me I'm humbled uh, that I'm even associated with them. Steve, a great coach, a great human being. I would love to work with him every day. Uh, but I'm employed by Arrows, and I won't lie to you, the director of Golden Arrows has been very good to me, Clinton Lassin, total gentleman. I've enjoyed working with him. It's a very tough decision to make, um, where you, you have to make a decision that you might know it might hurt some feelings uh, versus your ambitions. Uh, I'll have to make a decision soon, uh, but the likelihood is that I'm going to stay at the club. In transfer news, Manchester United have completed the signing of defender Eric Bailey on a four-year deal from Villarreal. In rugby news, Open Mohoje Nizam, Steven Nevis and Vincent Koch have been named in the SAA starting 15 for their clash against the England Saxons on Friday. The Bok team for their clash against Ireland will be announced tomorrow afternoon. Derby Tehran will leave the junior Springboks to coach the Japanese side Tacoma Red Hurricanes. That after the World Rugby Under-20 Championships. In Super Rugby news, the Blues have signed Crusaders forwards Jimmy Tapao and Alex Hodgman on two-year deals from 2017. In cycling news, Slovakia's world road race champion Peter Sagan has confirmed that he will compete in the mountain bike event at the Rio Olympics in August. Stage 3 of the Criterium du Dauphiné concluded earlier on this afternoon. Fabio Ra from Astana uh, winning the stage from Alexander Christoph. At Dimension Data's Edward Bosenhagen finished fifth. Alberto Consador hangs on to the overall lead, six seconds ahead of Richie Port and 13 seconds ahead of Christopher Froome from Team Sky.
In golf news, this week's European Tour action comes from the Lioness Open in Austria. Mark Tompkins is there and previews the action. Just under a fortnight ago, England's Chris Wood lifted the BMW PGA Championship trophy, his biggest tour victory to date, and he returns to action as defending champion here in Austria after a final round 65 last year saw him prevent Spaniard Rafa Cabrera Bayo from winning this event for a second time. The Diamond Country Club is hosting this event for the seventh consecutive year, and another five previous winners over this course are in the field. Jose Manuel Lara, home favourite, Bernd Wiesberger, who won in 2012, but was beaten in a playoff two years ago after Michael Lundberg sung a long putt on the first extra hole. And Dutchman Joost Lauten, who has a fantastic record here, with a win in 2013, and two third places to his name. Eight players in the field this week, including Wood and Wiesberger, will be looking to take good form into next week's US Open, while Ireland's Peter Laurie reaches a personal landmark as he plays his 400th event on the European Tour. And finally, Tiger Woods has confirmed that he will not take part in next week's US Open at Oakmont. The former world number one continues his comeback from back injury. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we pay tribute to Stephen Keshi. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, I awoke to the news this morning, and sad, do, uh, sad news indeed. Tribute's been pouring in all day from uh, around the footballing world, uh, just seeing some of uh, the ex-players that played against him, uh, players that he coached, uh, singing his praises, and just gone way too soon. Nigerian coach and former player and captain, uh, Stephen Keshi, passing away. We're joined now by Neil Gregg from AfricanFootball.com. Neil, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, horrible occasion, but... What what a shock that that to wake up to this morning. News of Stephen Keshi no longer with us. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know somebody who is fit and healthy, a coach that we've seen on the field uh, doing his thing, uh, staying active in the game. Um, you know, very active in his mind, very active in every in every possible way. Almost one of the African coaches at the top of their game and early fifties. I guess we've seen more and more people um, suffering from things like stress attacks and and strokes and heart attacks. So I guess in our society there is that that side of things. But I think looking at it on surface value, nobody would have expected uh, Stephen Keshi to, to go so soon. Uh, without a doubt and he has left his mark on on not just Nigerian football but African football he was he was an incredible I mean let's touch on him as a player and uh, in in the first place he he was incredible I mean I think 64 caps for for his country uh and uh, I think he's only one of two players to have won the Africa Cup of Nations as a player and a coach That's right and you know he also played he also had a stint in France he does speak uh, French so he's been an African uh uh, tournaments where uh, for Nigeria where he would be able to speak to the French speaking uh, African journalists from Cameroon and, and North Africa in French and then to the rest of us in English you know given the fact that he had a career a playing career in France and so he was one of Africa's more accomplished players um, back in the day and also playing in a very very successful um, Nigerian squad in an era where almost every player um, had a big name and obviously the likes of Sunday Olise and then the, the famous striker, uh, J.D. Okocha and the strikers like Rashidi Yakini and Daniel Amakachi. And so, you know, the, the group of players that he played with for his country were some of Africa's finest over the last 20, 30 year period. And so, from uh, a playing perspective, a high pedigree. And then, of course, doing the same as a coach and, and winning the Africa Cup of Nations of 2013 in South Africa when we hosted and that Nigeria team that not many fancied would win the tournament, 
kind of an underdog Nigerian team and he took them to to the title. I think that says a lot about him as a as a coach, you know, that uh, or, or as far as that not every great player makes a great coach and not every great coach was a great player, but he was both and he could get the best out of his players. He could. I mean, the team that won it in 2013 was a nice mix of international-based Nigerians and, and locally Nigerian Premier League players. And so he decided to cut out some of the players who maybe weren't wanting to play for their country that badly and maybe their egos and, and what have you. And he selected a, a few that he knew would come and do the job from uh, European base. And then he drew in a lot of uh, newer faces. And um, he was able to draw the best out of them, make them believe what they, what on their ability, create a family atmosphere and a strong base. And I'm the man in charge. And he was able to get them to play some very good football. And, and, and they had a really good tournament. So definitely a skill of his was, was to bind people together and, and, and raise up younger players. He was a character as well, and I know you, you had a bit to deal with him sort of through the years from a, from a journalist's perspective. What's one of your lasting memories of, of Stephen Keshi? Just, I think, his relaxed nature. You never, you know, he, 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 he wouldn't ever look stressed. <laughs> he would never be stressed by the questions, by the atmosphere, by the tension. Uh, very, very relaxed but also very, very jokey as well. You know, he would be open to cracking up a joke at the press conference uh, on the side of the field as well. And I think that manner behind that that, um, that personality was actually a really uh, a humble guy and um, <laughs> someone that even his fellow coaches and, and opposing players all got on with. So you would have seen a mass reaction from the football world, uh, not only of shock, but just of great memories. Like lots of people... Have the have have something good to say and something to celebrate. But whether it be a handshake or a laugh after the game, or uh, whether it be an, a, a fun interview in, in the offices of, of of press or media or, or radio stations, everyone managed to have a good laugh and some some banter with Stephen Keshi. It was also a bit of a, a South African connection. I know speculation has been rife of late with regards to the future of coaches and who's going where, but uh, there has been talk the last few weeks that uh, he was uh, being lined up to take over from Eric Tinkler at Pirates. Obviously, we, we don't know if that was true or not, but uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to see if he did come down and, and, and work with the Buccaneers. Yeah, it would have been. I think Pirates have to, well, they do need to think beyond uh, what hasn't worked which is uh, at the moment being a local coach has given the chance and they've done okay, you know, over the last while. But the last time they were really a dominant force was Ruud Kroll, who was a, a coach with uh, experience outside of our country. And I think they were looking for that again. So Keshi would have brought um, experience continental level, uh, having, you know, played in Europe and also coached uh, the Nigerian national team, would have brought Pirates something different and something of a, a higher pedigree in there. Also, if, it, if it was going to be Orlando Pirates, I think it would have been a lot of a lot of value for for Keshi joining up with him. Um, sadly, that's not going to be the the case. It would have been really good to see him coach in South Africa and and bring some of his skills across to us. Um, and I think we we're all we're all poor for it. Yeah, without a doubt. And just finally, you know, it's probably a tough question to ask, and you're probably not the right person to ask this question to either. But we've seen a, a sort of increase in in sort of cardiac incidents in football over the last couple of seasons. Do you, do you think this is an alarming trend or is it just strange that it's happening? Yeah, difficult for me to give um, medical advice. You know, there could be uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of input from the medical field who will say uh, diet, 
plays a factor in today's society. But then you have to look at the fact that athletes are fitter and stronger and more scientifically developed on all fronts. So then you would argue, well, you know, if they are and they have access to this kind of uh, input and, and science into their bodies and their diets and their rest, why, why is it happening more than it did in the days when the guys used to have a cigarette off the field and eat the wrong stuff and they weren't as muscular and, um, and, and well-conditioned as the athletes of today? So I think when you look at that, you go, well, we should, surely we shouldn't be seeing as much fatality as we are. But then I think the bigger factor, in my personal opinion, is, is just where society is today. Um, the amount of sport that gets played, is far more. If you just look at the amount of football that gets played, my opinion, sometimes there's too much football. It's just too much. You know, there's never a real shutdown season. It's one thing to the next. It's, you know what I mean? It's this tournament, that friendly, every sponsor wants their piece. So you, 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 you're highly strung all the time. And then the tension and the pressures of, um, you know, what fans' expectations are, the money in the game. I think if you look at all those underlying tensions and pressures, which, which, current society has actually brought onto athletes, then I think, in my opinion, the, the, the argument weighs more towards where we are as a society than actually, um, you know, how well-conditioned the athletes are at, in this current state. Life is fast, sport is fast, there's pressure on all fronts. And unfortunately, um, I think a lot of the time, money and sponsorship drives sport beyond um, places where it should go. In terms of the capacity and the amount, and sometimes these guys also need... A little bit more of, of a break, I think, in off seasons, and, and sometimes in football, we need to maybe stop and take a look and just reassess things. And Greg from AfricanFootball.com, thank you so much for joining us this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap and sharing your memories of the late Stephen Keshi. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader and following uh, a pretty impressive bowling performance uh, last night from the Proteas. Uh, their Tri-Nations series back on track after their opening loss against the West Indies, taking on the world number one Australia last night, picking up a bonus point. And uh, we're joined by the man who made his debut last night for the Proteas. It's Shamsi. Uh, welcome onto SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Thanks for, for your time today. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Fantastic overall performance uh, from a bowling perspective. You must be pretty chuffed with uh, with the role that you played in there. One for for thirty six. Uh, a good start to your your one international career. Yeah, you know, I was really happy with the way things started. But um, like you said, it was an awesome bowling performance from from all the boys. As far as that performance goes, uh, everyone chipped in. I mean, if you look at the, the match we played on Friday against the West Indies, where Sir, Sunil Narayan literally ripped through through the entire attack, it was it was a, a really solid performance by all five of the bowlers, everybody picking up wickets, and it was spearheaded by, by Kahisa Rabada, who just put in an unbelievable performance up front, three for 13 of seven. You can't ask for much more than that from your, your opening bowler. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, as a spinner, it obviously helps when when the fast bowlers strike up front. You know, it makes your job a lot easier. And obviously, um, KG has been wonderful. You know, since the start of his career, and once again, as well as Wayne Parnell. You know, I thought they did a great job for us. Right, looking at the the batting performance, uh, it, it was conditions were tough. Let's let's call a spade a spade. It wasn't a, an easy deck to bat on, but uh, it, it must be it must be concerning for the entire squad just that we are struggling to put runs on the board, particularly when we win the toss and decide to bat first. Well, look, like you mentioned, you know the conditions here are really tough for the batsmen, so um, I don't think we should be very critical on that. You know, um, 
it is very, very hard for the batsmen. And um, we have some, some world-class batsmen in our batting lineup, and uh, it's only a matter of time until they click. But looking at uh, your next couple of uh, clashes, uh, Australia and the West Indies again, but you, you move uh, away from, from Guyana where you've, you've played the opening two matches. Well, what are you guys expecting from a pitch perspective? I know as a spinner you probably really enjoyed bowling on the decks that were prepared in Guyana, but uh, there could be different conditions uh, in store in the week to come. Yeah, there definitely will be. You know, um, Most of the wickets in the Caribbean do spin, um, so that won't change a bit. Um, but yeah, they won't. They won't definitely. Think it definitely won't turn as much as Guyana. It won't be as slow a deck. So probably a higher scoring ground um, because the field is a bit smaller as well. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be expecting some more big hits because of the size of the boundary and um, the nature of the pitch. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, as a bowler, it's tougher, but um, yeah, it will be a good challenge. Uh, on a personal note, t- talk to me through talk me through the, your experience yesterday and 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 making your debut. It's it's probably been a childhood dream of yours to to play for the Proteas one day. It's come true now, and you got to do it against the, the world number one sides at the moment and beat them. It must must be a pretty cool feeling personally. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, um, as a small child in South Africa, um, when you start playing cricket, obviously you dream about playing for for the Proteas and. Um, I was really fortunate that um, last night my dream could um, become a reality. And like you mentioned, you know, playing against the Aussies is always um, always a, a big rivalry. And um, to win the game was an unbelievable feeling, you know, especially on my debut. Uh, so yeah, really cannot explain the feeling, but um, I'm over the moon. What, what, what was it like going out to bat? Uh, I mean, were, were there butterflies and, and the first time the skipper threw the ball to you saying, uh, it's yours? Uh, how do you feel in, in that in that space and that time? Uh, well, I actually didn't really get to bat. I only went there on the last ball just to, to run a single. But um, yeah, um, the, the skipper just threw the ball to me. Actually, he didn't give me a chance to get nervous because um, uh, Amy, just, Amy just gave me the ball and he said, listen, I need you to bowl this over. So... I think um, it worked out in the end because, you know, I didn't really get, get a chance to be nervous, you know, um, and worry about that first ball, you know. Um, so that was really awesome, uh, unbelievable feeling. And uh, like I mentioned, I'm glad, I'm glad we won the game. Big blow as well for the Proteas. News uh, that Riley Rousseau is out for the rest of the series after he dislocated his shoulder uh, in that match last night. Dean Elgar going to replace him. Riley, Riley's a big loss. He's, he's solid with the bat. He's coming off a, a fairly decent run as well, and, and uh, he's definitely going to be missed. Yes, definitely. You know, Riley will be a big, big loss for us. But um, obviously, like you mentioned, Dean Alga will be flying in and joining the squad. So, you know, he's a great player as well. Um, very, very sad for Riley because uh, injuries are never never nice, you know. Um, and as players, we know how bad it feels. Everyone gets injured at some stage. And um, it's really heartbreaking for him, especially like you mentioned. He's, he's coming off a good run. But um, yeah, I wish him all the best with his recovery. And hopefully we'll see him back in the process soon. Yeah, absolutely. Therese, congratulations once again on your performance last night and uh, on an entire team performance. I think it was a uh, pretty impressive bowling performance, particularly against a side like Australia, who's been playing good cricket. Uh, we look forward to seeing what uh, you guys can do in, in the upcoming matches, and good luck for the next one against the Aussies on Friday. Thank you so much. We'll be trying our best. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little us does. 
These words made famous by world icon Nelson Mandela are ones most South Africans can relate to. Yet despite all our sporting achievements on the world stage, our sport hasn't reached the same heights where it matters. With challenges such as development, transformation, finances, gender equality and a whole lot more preventing us from fulfilling our potential. Tune into our new sport talk show, Full Coverage with me and Poma Boy as we debate the issues in and around our sport. That's Full Coverage, Saturdays at 1.30pm on SABC1. SABC Sport, for the love of the game. It's a 2016 derby. Energy levels are very high at the FNB Stadium today. Believe me when I say that fans are not holding back. From Orlando, we have FZ Gamakepul, Orlando Pirates. Wait a minute. He's a Thomas Mlambo and Toona. And representing Tefeni, we have Afana Butulano Kono, Kaiba Chiefs, Hema Tota. Is that for me? No Tano Kamani. Shubile Genamshanje. Kute Manegimigi. Wazuzo Babona will do whatever it takes. Catch the Carling Black Label Cup featuring the two giants, Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs, live on SABC1 and our SABC radio station from July the 30th at 2.30 p.m. The Carling Black Label Cup is brought to you by SABC Sport in association with Carling Black Label. Hashtag Wazuzobabona. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, it was a fantastic win last night for the Proteus. We join now by former Proteus quick bowler, Andre Nell. Andre, wonderful performance, particularly with a ball. It must have made you pretty happy looking at uh, someone like Achisa Rabada's performance up front. He was he was superb, wasn't he? Yeah, I was a bad um, Yeah, it was a very good um, performance. I think the guys um, played um, very well. They stick to the game plans on a difficult wicket for batting, I think, in general. And they played really, really well. So, yeah, it's a very good performance by the guys and very pleasing to see um, uh, that our future is looking so good. Yeah, looking at that performance, Andre, going going into the hats, uh, sort of at the innings break, not the, not the biggest score on the on the scoreboard. As a bowler and a bowling attack, how do you approach defending something like this, particularly with what happened against the West Indies on Friday night, where it was a very similar total and we struggled? Uh, it, you've got to start off well. Yeah, I think so. If, if you know your backs against the wall, you need to come as far and hopefully try and strike up front and exactly what they did. But also, the moment the chips are down, you guys are standing up and trying to say this, you know, we, uh, we're in trouble. Let's stand up as a bowling unit and try and win a game for South Africa. And that's what they did. I believe you well. And it was very pleasing to see that the guys came out fighting, uh, all guns blazing. So it's a really good performance. And it shows a lot of character with... Um, a bunch of bowlers that's there that um, like, they're eager to show that they can do, it for, do the business for our country. I mean, the wicket's been spread pretty much evenly across, across everyone, KG picking up three, but looking at Wayne Ponell's performance, he, he took a bit of criticism sort of in his last uh, outings with the Proteas. He's been out of the setup for a while. Good to see him bouncing back and, and coming back with a performance like this, like he did last night. Yeah, I think so. He, he, he was a little bit in the wilderness for a while, and I thought if, uh, he came back last and... Um, Positively, he worked hard on his game and uh, he looks in good condition. And um, also, nice to see that he, bought, he swung the ball right. And, and that's good to see from uh, Wayne Ponell. So, hopefully, he can keep on building on this and hopefully um, get a set of attack now in the one-way competition because a lot of variations all the time. So, hopefully, they get a, a good combination of balls together for the whole time and hopefully, they can perform well like they did last night. Yeah, absolutely. Take on the Aussies again on Friday. But uh, let's look even further ahead. Speaking of the Aussies, it was announced today that the Proteas are going to play uh, our first day-night uh, test. It's going to be happening in Adelaide, the third test of that series in Australia. Uh, day-night cricket, what's your take on it, Andre? Yeah, I think it's, it's exciting and people can understand the kids of business and that's going to get bums in seats. Guys get excited by something different. 
spring ball, yes, it's going to be nice for the bowlers because I think at night or at dusk, the ball seems to swing slightly more than the previous test that were played uh, day night in Australia. So I think it's exciting. It's a, it's a new challenge uh, and uh, it will get bums in seats and in reality it's a business and that's probably the best way for care to go forward to make money and for test care to compete with the IPL and 2021. Are you, are you quite disappointed you never got to play day night test cricket? Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed, but I'm quite happy to step away and let the youngsters uh, <laughs> take on that challenge now. It's, it's something new. It would have been quite nice and exciting, but um, yeah, I'm quite happy. I would love to play that and probably more up the hours, but that's in my day. These days, I'm quite happy to be retired and meet these guys do all the, the hard graft and the work now for South Africa. Andre, interesting thing about this test, and, and there was lots of talk before it was agreed to that the Proteas weren't too keen to play, and, and one of the reasons was that it was in Adelaide, and at that time of the year, November. I mean, Adelaide, it, it, it's going to, I mean, conditions-wise, you, you want a test match, particularly over five days, for the conditions to be as, as even as possible for both teams, batting and bowling. And, and the big concern was that the conditions between the day and night con, uh, time was, was going to be drastic. Do you think that is, or that could be an issue in, in Adelaide? Um, it could be. I think, if I'm correct, the last uh, Dana Test match also was played against New Zealand and uh, Australia. It was also played in Adelaide, if I'm correct. And it did seem to, when it got slightly darker uh, and dusk, the ball swung slightly more and it uh, made it quite beneficial to, to bowl almost second, if you could. So it's going to be interesting and uh, would be see how the conditions will react. But that's the beauty of it. It's a new challenge and stop looking for excuses and see if you can adjust and adapt to the conditions they're giving to you. That's in reality what Tesco is about. The guys who can adapt to certain conditions better, the guys will perform. And it'd be a good challenge to see if you can adapt. Instead of looking for excuses, try and adapt and make it work. It's interesting looking at cricket as a sporting code compared to, to something like football, for example, who's been, ve- I mean, football's very hesitant to change. You look at, at, at how they, they've, they've avoided embracing technology, where cricket's been on, on the forefront of, of bringing technology into the game. Do you think there's a possibility of taking it too far? Um, I think it's good to take technology into account, but um, X-Tigers should try and take it too far. I don't think this is technology. It's more, I think it's business, bums on seats. And that's where the competition for test care is a dying breed almost. That you don't get as many spectators to come test care anymore because it's a long period where RPL, uh, 20 cricket and one cricket gets more people in seats and you get more cash. And it's a business decision and I think it could bring people to come watch because it's something new and exciting. So I think yes, it's good to have technology to a limit. But I think this is purely a business decision and um, in reality, sports a business and you have to make sure you have any bums on seats. What's going to be interesting, it's, uh, it'll be quite nice uh, watching the test match uh, that sort of time in, in Australia. We have to wake up at the crack of dawn, so interesting uh, from, a, from a television perspective for South African audiences, I think it is it's probably a good thing. Andre Nell, thank you so much uh, for your time this Pleasure. evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. Much appreciated. We look forward to catching up. If I don't speak to you before next weekend, I know you're doing the Ironman 70.3 in Durban. Best of luck for that, and I hope it goes all according to plan. Thanks so much, Matt. I hope it goes, uh, goes well, and hopefully you can catch up afterwards um, for a few beers. <laughs> Absolutely. Andre and Al, thanks for your time this evening. Take care, mate. All right. Keep up, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap.
Well, following their 59-19 win over Japan in their opening clash of the Under-20 World Cup, the Junior Springboks got off to a flying start. They were uh, trailing 14-19 at the break, and backline coach Nazam Adams says the way they started was not ideal. Yeah, it was a little bit of a concern. We created a lot of opportunities, but we didn't finish. In the end, the junior Springboks scored eight tries. It was a massive margin of victory, and Adams is very satisfied with the way the team bounced back in the second half. Yeah, we're quite happy about that, because if you look at the first half, we only scored two tries, and in the second half we scored six, and 45, no. You can't argue about that. The character the team showed was one of the big positives, and Adams also believes there were others to take out of this match. I think the positives we can take out of the match is that Especially in the second half, the guys were a lot calmer and they were composed and our execution were much better. Despite the large margin of victory, there is still room for improvement, according to the coach. We're a little bit concerned about our breakdown. I think uh, we weren't uh, very accurate in terms of that, so that will be a big focus point for us in the next couple of days. With the matches quite tightly bunched in this tournament, the good news is there aren't any injury concerns to speak of. We're very lucky with no injury concerns, so for the next game, all 28 will be available for selection. There were upsets uh, yesterday. I can tell you that uh, Australia lost to Scotland. One of the other big upsets was Argentina beating France 24-15. Adam says that was uh, a big surprise considering they're all in the same group. It's definitely a big surprise for us. I didn't expect uh, Argentina to beat France, but on the other hand, France will now be desperate and it will come hard at uh, us. The Junior Springboks next play Argentina and following their victory over the Parisians, the South African team have sat up and taken notice. Adams is not expecting an easy clash next up. Argentina is always a difficult team to play against. They, they target your breakdown and that's why I said we will have to focus on that. And uh, we need to be very disciplined when we play against it. Next up, the Junior Springboks take on Argentina. Kickoff 6 p.m. local time at the AJ Bell Stadium in Salford. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. And that's it, a jam-packed SAFM Sports Wrap comes to an end. We're back again tomorrow. We'll have more sport for you on AM Live tomorrow morning. Thank you very much to my producer, Siobhan Tetty. Have yourself a great evening right now at 7 o'clock in time for your news.